0: Saints and friends, much, much love to you. Our Bible study crew, we are live and ready to go. We ask that you would like and share, comment. Those of you who are on Facebook, those of you are on YouTube, and those of you who are on Twitter, so glad to have you with us, and those of you who are in the building, amen. So let us bow our heads and let us pray, and then we will get right into the word of God for this evening. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, love you, honor you, appreciate you. God, there's no one like you. You are the matchless, wonderful God, and for that we give you praise and glory. God, we ask that you would illuminate this Bible study, that you would strengthen it, and that you would cause us to take away something that would benefit our souls, our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Now, God, we ask a special prayer and blessing over all those in Uvalde, Texas with the latest school shooting and such a tragic moment. God, all of those parents who are in just utter grief—we ask that you would touch them. That community that's hurting, and even this country that is hurting with such a spirit of hatred that is in our land, and and a unwillingness to do anything about it from our politicians. So, God, we just need you to step in and let the church be the church in this dark time. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Blessings to you all. All right, let's. Let's go after it. Let's see what God has for us on this afternoon or this evening. So Sunday we had this um, title, Dying or Rising, Dying or Rising. Two uh, definitions that we were looking and working from for uh, dying was on the point of death. Or at the point of death. So the moment that you die is something that we're looking at. But then conversely, number two was gradually ceasing to exist or function in decline and about to disappear. This is the one that we were trying to point us away from. So this slow, gradual death. We understand that death is imminent if, uh, Christ doesn't return and we are okay with that because, um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But what we're not looking to do is to be slowly dying the whole time. So that's something that we were trying to steer us clear from. All right. So when it looks at rising, we had these going up, increasing or sloping upward advancing to maturity or high standing both of these definitions are definitions that we uh, can work with that we don't mind dealing with so just remember in the dying it's only one definition we want to really uh, attribute to and in rising there's two definitions that that we like so let's cover them again uh, briefly so Uh, dying on the point of death, which is okay. Number two is what we're trying to steer clear from. And when when we say that, we mean specifically spiritually, gradually ceasing to exist or function in decline and about to disappear. And then we have rising, going up, increasing or sloping upward, advancing to maturity or high standing. All right, let's go to our very first verse. Matthew 16, 21 uh, coming into the middle of the chapter it says from that time on jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life i want to point out something very interesting i'm gonna read it again just a little bit uh slower And it says from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer, suffer many things. But look, look at what it doesn't say at the hands of the sinners, at the hands of all the people who were doing the wrong things, the people who needed to repent. That is not what the scripture says. It says at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Christ's biggest antagonists were not the people who knew they were without him. It was the people who thought they already had him or already had the law or already had a re- relationship and understanding with God and didn't need him. They were the ones that caused him to suffer. And so we have to ask ourselves in the same context, is suffering happening more because of the sinners in the world or is it more because of the saints of the world who are not doing their job? As it relates to what I just prayed about when we're looking at school shootings and the violence that is in the land, the culture of violence, what we have to be honest with about ourselves in America specifically, the culture of violence that was allowed and the culture of hatred that was allowed, it came in on the heels of the inactivity of the church. Because you had so many people who would wear white sheets with holes cut out of it on Saturday and then worship at church on Sunday as if everything was okay. Slavery was allowed, the, the pillaging of land, the stealing of of people's property and calling it discovering things and then trying to wrap a Christian bow on top of it and say, we are a Christian nation, God bless America. Many of the issues that we have is not just because of evil in the land, it's the inactivity of the righteous or the righteous who have a form of godliness, but denying the power. That is a side note bonus that I just needed to throw out there. So let me say again as it relates to deliverance temple. I can't control anybody else, but as it relates to deliverance temple, we need to be about what we say we are about. We should not have a false projection of godliness. Alright, so he began to explain to him. So so going back to that concept, the fact that he began to explain it to him So once again, this is something that they did not understand because when they looked at the Messiah, they were only thinking of them being saved, Israel, Israelites, the Jews being saved and the Roman government overthrow God setting up his kingdom, which he will do. It is a promise of the Messiah that he will set up his kingdom, but he wants to do that in the ages to come and literally setting up a kingdom from Jerusalem. So there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and it'll be a new Jerusalem. And that's where uh, Christ will reign from. How that looks, we don't know the fullness. But in that day, they thought that was something coming imminent. When, J- when Jesus said he was the son of God and he was what they were waiting for. And then he begins to talk about him suffering. It didn't jive mentally with what they were thinking. They were like, we've been in trouble long enough. Here comes our savior, our rescuer. And we're expecting him to fix everything. And even as Christians, we could could have that same mindset because Jesus came, he died on the cross, but then he left. And he didn't necessarily leave the world in a better place, but he left us in power and gave us the authority. He restored the authority to us that we previously had with Adam and Eve had. So what, what we have to understand is, God's job through Jesus is not to fix all the problems, but it was to restore the authority to us so that we could go back to the original plan as have dominion. We are to have dominion. In other words, so Satan is on our level. He's not on God's level. So it's our job to restore, take dominion. And then when we do what we're supposed to do, then Jesus can come back and return. For a glorious church. So many times we're waiting on God, but the truth of the matter is God is waiting on us. So with that understanding, let's shift to this next verse. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. So He was basically saying to Jesus, the things that you're saying, no, no, this is not going to happen to you. You're you're too big for this. You're too big for suffering. And this is one of the first uh, aha moments that we, we have as it relates to our walk with God, that it is not in God's interest for us to escape suffering which is what we would want. Well, shoot, I I belong to God. That means suffering will pass over me. But what this seems to suggest is that I want to equip you to go through suffering and not always just go around it or go over it because the suffering has a way of producing something both in us and for long-term goals. Or long-term success sometimes is stabilized by short-term suffering that that, that's a quotable tweetable moment right there long-term success is stabilized by short-term suffering something that God understands and Jesus understood but human humans don't we, we don't wrap our mind around that very well and one of the reasons why is because when sin entered the world it entered through a tree called the knowledge of good and evil In other words, what that does, that reduces us down to black or white, no gray areas. We don't understand gray areas. We only understand good versus evil, black versus white. But God says, I can take something negative, send you through it and bring you out positive. That doesn't compute to us, but. That's why God didn't want us to have the knowledge of good and evil. He only wanted us to have the knowledge of the tree of life. But when man failed by eating from that, it put us into this place of good versus evil, light versus dark. And when we begin to move through gray areas, the first thing we want to do is check out. Say, no, nah, I don't want no part of that. But God says he wants to show us that he's bigger than anything both light, both dark, both gray. He's he's bigger than good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Once you're with him, you will never lose, but that doesn't mean you won't go through things. So Peter didn't understand this, and he just thought, and I, I like Peter's boldness for him to come to Jesus, and he tried to pull him to the side. And basically, he was saying, this is not on par with your brand. You can't be the king of kings and talking about you're going to go through Stuff. Why don't you just point your finger and cause things to change, adjust, and, adjust, and shift. And the same thing that some, sometimes we say, God, just fix it. Mm-hmm. Make it go away. Make it disappear. But many times we won't learn what we need to learn and we won't gain what we need to gain if he snaps his finger at everything. So there is power in the process. Yeah. There's power in the process. Let, let, let's even go once again back to what we are dealing with with such a culture of violence and school shootings. And if we're honest, we're becoming a little bit numb to it to the point where it's not affecting us. But if it keeps happening, it's going to trigger something. Somebody's going to get fed up and finally act, and something's going to get done but it points to something about our human nature. We have a high tolerance of allowing things just to stay the same as long as it doesn't affect us. Now, the people in Uvalde, Texas, they're they're dealing with it different than we are. In 10 days, we'll, we'll be done forgot about it, but they have to sit with it. And it's something when things come in your lap, when suffering comes to your door, and it becomes personal and it has a letter with your name on it. It's different. And much of the empathy that people have comes after they've gone through something. Mm-hmm. It's 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 easy for me to talk about your divorce when I haven't been divorced. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to talk about your sin when I haven't fallen. That's another thing when I have fallen, how it affects me and it changes me and it causes me to see your fall Entirely different. Mm-hmm. So process is important. That's what God understands, and that's what God knows. All right, so let's let's move on. Let's see it uh as relates to what Jesus responded. Jesus turned and said to Peter. Now, before I read what he says, uh, I want to remind you that earlier in this chapter, which I didn't go to on Sunday, I, I just referenced this earlier in this chapter. Uh, Jesus congratulated Peter because Peter uh, answered, the question, the, uh, answered the question correctly when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. First of all, they said that you're a teacher, you're a prophet. But then he pointed, he said, to who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but that was revealed by my father in heaven. So it means that. Peter had a connection with God to be able to answer that correctly. But then right after that, here he's challenging Jesus and Jesus makes this statement to him. Let's read this in, in its entirety. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, here's the beauty of this. This is what the process does. See, you can have a deep relationship with God and still be used by Satan. Yes. And what process does, process begins to separate things and it begins to show you, you, so you don't trust in you mm-hmm. and you trust in God. Because when God speaks to you and you get things right, you assume that you will always get it right. Mm-hmm. And it's not until God shows you, it has to say to you, I rebuke the devil in you because the same vessel that God can use, the devil can use. But when you go through process and suffering, you have a tendency to figure out that's the devil. That's God. And this is me. This is the flesh. And if I'm not careful and I'm not yielded and I get the big head when I think I'm walking in God, the devil be right at my door. So the suffering has a way of humbling us and reminding us that I am lost without God. I don't care how many years I've got it right in one moment, in one day, one decision, I can blow it off. So I need to be processed. I need to go through the process. I need to go through the suffering. Now, I don't want it, but if it's scheduled for me, that God, with you and I, we can walk through it because evidently something in me needs to die. And what needs to die is my willingness to listen to that other voice, which is the voice of Satan. Because sometimes what Satan says sounds good because it feels good to me, even though it's not good for me. Eating hot fudge Sundays, that sounds good to me every single day but my waistline will say, that ain't good for you. My blood pressure, my, my health will say that's not good for you. So we have a tendency as humans. And let me go back to what he says. uh, You're merely thinking about human concerns. You're merely trying to gratify the flesh. And when you're merely trying to gratify the flesh, you will always miss Jesus somewhere, somehow, and you'll end up, with God, that, that, there, there's no two ways about it. If you're not hooked up with Jesus, you're hooked up with the devil. I don't care how 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 big a hat you wear on Sunday. If you're not following Jesus, you're following the devil. And so that suffering has a way of shifting us and sifting us so that we don't trust in our humanness. All right. So this is where the the, the sermon really began to take shape because it was this phrase that I use, and I tell a story with the phrase. So here's the phrase, I don't like your cross. And so I'm using this based on the story I'm going to tell you that I told on Sunday. But that's really what we are often saying when we don't want to go through things. We basically say, I don't like it. I don't like this because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't give me the gratification that I want. It doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy i like it when i come to church and i get the goosebumps that go down my back and i feel the quicken and i raise my hand but i want when i leave here i want seven weeks of no trouble but a lot a lot of times i just it don't happen like that so when things happen the opposite of what you expect we have this tendency to be like i don't like this i don't want this and if we're immature we We'll act out. If we're mature, we'll just go through it, understanding that, yeah, I don't like it, but God, you're still God. So I'm not going to sit up here and get an attitude with you because even though I don't like it, don't want it, you're still God, so I'm still with you. But when you're immature, it's like the little kid who will go anywhere and will grab something and say, mine. And you take it back from them and they will have a temper tantrum and a fit because they want everything to go their way when they want, how they want. Because when you are immature and you're young, what you're raised to do is everything is about you. Mm-hmm. When I'm hungry, scream. Mm-hmm. When I'm tired, scream. Mm-hmm. When I'm wet, scream. When I pooped on myself, scream. And somebody will come and attend to me and give me what I want and make things better. And that's fine when you're an infant. Uh-huh. It's fine when you're one, one, two. You get about two and a half, three, people get tired of that. Mm -hmm. Boy, go somewhere and sit down, get out of my face. If you are eight and you're screaming because you have peed on yourself, somebody's taking you to a child psychiatrist, something wrong with his head because he's not maturing. Mm -hmm. When you are 30 Mm -hmm. and you still want a pacifier in your mouth, people don't want to deal with you. Mm -hmm. The problem is we have people who have been saved 30 years but they're still acting like infants. And so it is the suffering that matures us so that we don't act like that. And this is what we need to understand. When you see a grown person acting like a kid, it irritates you. So what it is, is you don't want to be that. You don't want someone looking at you and thinking, my God, that's just a big kid who no one has ever told them no. So I'm glad when God tells me no, because it makes me look better in the long run. So we come from that standpoint. I don't like your cross. All right. So here here is the story that goes with it. So I don't like your cross. I got this from the story that Father Michael Reniger, pastor of St. Mary Catholic Church in Richmond, Virginia, tells. He tells a story where he had invited uh, someone into his church in off hours and they come into the sanctuary and they're looking at the beauty of the sanctuary because it's a Catholic church and the way those churches are built The, the worship is not just the music and the sermon it's actually the way the church is crafted the way the stained glass windows all that is a part of the worship so the guy's looking at all the beautiful things and then he just randomly tells the father or the pastor I don't like your cross so the pastor was kind of taken aback at at such a a bold statement. And he's like, okay, well, explain to me why I don't like your cross. And so he's like, when you look at it from this angle, standing straight on, it looks like Jesus is on the cross. But if you come to the side angle, there's a a gap of space in between because it was a wood cross that was hanging from the ceiling by wires And then there was a bronze sculpture of Jesus that was hanging by the ceiling by wires. But because of the thickness of the bronze, they could not put it on the cross. There had to be a little bit of a separation. But you could only tell that if you got at different angles. And so the man says, like, I don't like that because I can't tell if he's dying or rising. Is he dying or rising? I can't tell. And so he asks The father, he said, which is it? Is it, is he dying or rising? That's why I don't like your cross because it leaves me confused. And the father simply made this statement to him. He said, maybe it's both. And it just depends on how you look at it. So then I shifted the title just a little bit with this understanding. It's not dying or rising. It's both dying and rising. And the point is the suffering that we're going through, yes, it causes us to die, but it also causes us to rise at the same time if you have the right perspective. If you look at it right, you understand that the death that you're being asked to go through is actually the same thing that's triggering you to come alive. Mm-hmm. So having said that, let's look at what uh, Jesus says further in the next verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must dis- deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me." So he goes even deeper in saying, "It's not just about me suffering," because Peter is saying, "No, no, you don't say that you're gonna you're gonna grow through." And Jesus is like, "Well, you're wrong. You're out of order, Peter." But not only that, let me tell all of y'all. If you follow me, you all going to have to go through something. I, I didn't come to make it easy for you initially. Mm-hmm. I came to break the bands of wickedness. And in order to do that, I can't do it just from the outside. I have to do it from the inside. So that means I've got to allow you to go through something and you have to be willing to go through it to get to where you need to be now athletes understand that you don't just stand up and get the trophy. There's training, there's weightlifting, there is, uh, uh, dieting. There's, there's running, sprinting. There's all of that. There's shots or whatever it is to get to that. Those people who are great singers there's vocal coach. There's all kinds of things. And for some of them who, um, are really in the limelight, then that's why they feel the pressure to adjust my nose, adjust my face, or get this surgery, that, because I'm in the limelight. In order to be famous, these are things that I gotta do. So a lot of people want fame, but they don't want paparazzi running around taking pictures of them. A lot of people want fame, but they want to be able to eat in private without somebody sticking a paper in front of them and saying, hey, sign this. So sometimes with the good comes the bad and what you have to understand when you sign up for something, you're signing up for both and you have to know what you're signing up for. So Jesus was telling them, if you want to be my disciples, and we're not talking about just fringe people, people who are around the fringe and are, are what one time he said, or here just for the fish and the loaves. Mm-hmm. Y'all are saying that y'all, know, y'all want to be like me. You, you are following me because you believe I am the Messiah. I am the key to the eternal life. So let me let you know up front, you're going to have to go through something. The scripture said that this way in in another place, it says the godly shall suffer persecution. And and here's the thing that we have to think, at least he warned us. Mm -hmm. At least we are not being sold a false bill of goods. Some of you women, the reason why you get upset is because the man told you, I'm going to give you the moon, the stars and the the sun and he can barely get you ramen noodles. So I wish you would have told me up front you wasn't worth a dime and then let me choose. Well, God is saying, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm not, I'm not pulling the wool over your eyes. This it is what it is. You're going to have to go through something. But if you do it voluntarily, then it will produce something in you. One scripture says this way, it's much better for me to fall on the rock than the rock to fall on me. In other words, if I fall on the walk, I I will be broken. But if the rock falls on me, I will be, the scripture says, I will be ground to dust. I'll be ground to powder. So it's much better to go ahead and be in self-sacrifice. What kind of self-sacrifice? Sexually, financially, as it relates to your temper. Can't go off every time you want to go off. Can't say everything you want to say when you want to say it. Have to hold your tongue, bite your tongue. All of us who are Christians know that times we had to bite our tongue when we didn't want to bite our tongue. There's times when we want to chase down lies about us and tell everybody off and tell people to get my name out your mouth and all that. And sometimes, but it's just not becoming to the life of Christ. So a lot of times we have to take down, a lot of times we have to take the high road. A lot of times we have to be the bigger person. A lot of times we have to tell ourselves no. And then it goes to things that are not even sin, but just listening to God. Everyone else is buying Jordans and God tell you, no, put it in the offering. Well, no, I don't want to put it in the offering. I want to buy what everybody else is buying. But God is saying, no, I got something different for you or or uh, everyone else is running out buying houses okay well I want a house I'm tired of being in an apartment and God said well just w- wait wait a little longer well when are you going to bless me God when am I going to get married when, we have a lot of things that we want and sometimes God just says no, no wait don't do it and those things are hard to hear but if you're going to follow him and you really want him you are going to do what he says do in L a lifestyle of obedience. Not I mean you will always get it right, but here's the thing when you get it wrong, it will pain you. Christians who can do whatever they want to do and it doesn't bother them, right. I have a hard time believing they have a strong relationship with God. I won't judge them and say they're not saved. I don't know them, but you can't have a deep relationship with God and do whatever you want to do without any conviction. You can steal from people, you can lie on people, you can laugh at people, you can bully people, and you still saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Something's wrong with your relationship with God. Because when you have relationship with God, you go through conviction. Mm -hmm. Conviction means you get convinced that I'm wrong. And then you have to step up to the plate. You got to say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I don't want to live like this. I mean, in other words, God works you over the coals. The scripture says it this way. It says, those who I love, I chasten, and I scourge every son whom I receive. That's King James vernacular, but let me put it in our vernacular. I beat y'all tail when y'all get out of line because I love you. And any parent who really loves their children, it may not always be in the form of uh, physical discipline as far as belts and things, but... You, if you really love your child, you will tell them no. A parent who says yes to their child all the time does not love their child because immaturity has to be driven out of you through some type of dis- discipline, punishment, uh, suffering. So that's what we're, we're beginning to understand. But if you know the fact that you are dying and rising, you understand that, okay, this death that God is asking me to go through will produce something, so I just have to go through it. All right. Let's uh let's read further. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So if you want to be the control controller of everything, you want to be in control of everything and you want everything to go your way, you're going to end up losing in the end. But if you're willing to lose now momentarily for the sake of God and for the sake of the gospel and for sake for the sake of growing to be the person that God wants you to be, you will actually find it later. In other words, you won't lose. You will actually win. But you got to be willing to lose up front there. Uh, I, was, I was listening to I'm a big basketball fan. I was listening to someone who. Uh, what they have, they have a award called the six man of the year award. And that word means that you're not a starter. You come off the bench. But what it also means is you're good enough to start on any other team, but this particular team needs you to play a secondary role, needs you to allow someone else to have the front. And so this one guy said once he finally bought into that concept, he ended up becoming a champion by playing that, second role, but he had to basically humble himself and say, okay, coach, if this is what the team needs for us to win, I'm going to do this. This is what I need you to understand. We are Christians individually, but we're part of the body of Christ. So sometimes God needs you to take a back seat for the entire body. Maybe you are good enough to get up and be a pastor and speak but God doesn't let you do that because he actually needs you working in the pews behind the scenes but you get upset because the pastor don't never see me he don't never call my name out but God never wants you to look at man he wants you to look at him and he's actually going to use you in the pews and in the streets and in the grocery stores and when you get to heaven your reward is actually going to be greater than the pastor because He's using you in the role he wanted you in, but because you didn't get the accolades and because wasn't nobody singing your name and because you don't have an armor bearer, you get an attitude. So the question is, who do you want to be seen, God or you? So sometimes you sacrifice for the sake of the team. Uh, So some of you women wives, sometimes you're more gifted than your husband smarter than your husband, can do more things, but God is asking you to submit to benefit the entire family because you're raising sons who need to see what it's like to have a woman that would partner with them. So God has you in a role, and he's asking you to submit, not because you're less than, lower than, but because it's for the greater good. Sometimes you men, you are standing in the role of headship, But God is asking you to partner with your wife because you're raising daughters who need to see what it's like for a man to lift up his woman. So sometimes you are asked to take back, to suffer for the greater good of the entire family. And if you're selfish, self-centered, focus on you and unwilling to die, what you'll do, the whole team will be derailed because of you. There are churches who have to close their doors and shut up because one person just wouldn't wouldn't yield. Wouldn't, they stirred up strife and, and churches split because it was all about them. I don't want to get to heaven and God have to say, I never knew you because you never would yield and allow yourself to die when you needed to die. Um, there, there, there are politicians now. Who are bothered by the school shootings, but the NRA, the National Rifle Association, puts money in their pocket and puts money in their campaign. And so they won't get up and speak out against it because they'll probably lose their power and they might lose their next election. And so they're willing to trade the lives of kids in so they so they can have a yacht in the summertime or they could stay in power. How sick are we when we are willing to allow other people to suffer just so we don't have to. I, I, I don't care about the people dying in, in, in Buffalo because they don't have my skin color. So it don't bother me. And some of these people are going to church all the time. I, I don't care that the president Trump said he would grab women, whatever he want. I don't care because it, He's the party that I like, so so I'm going to put it in. No accountability, because as long as it benefits me, it's okay. And we have to have the mindset that says, no, I would be willing to break and suffer if it benefits someone else. Now, it's not easy, but guess what? When you die that way, you are actually the one who is rising. The person who is trying to rise, here's the truth is, they are actually dying. So let's... Let's go even uh, deeper because I'm kind of running out of time. Verse 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is Jesus. This is the creator of the universe who's going to go to the cross. And he's saying the most valuable thing in the world is not gold, it's not diamonds, it's not silver, it's not buildings, it's not cars, it's not vacations, it's not trips, it's not stocks. It's something you can't even see. It's your soul. Because the soul is the thing that's going to cross from this life to the next. The scripture says everything is fading away except for God's word. So all you see now will at some point be gone. It's fading away. It's it's dying. It's it's. Uh, crumbling. The greatest mansion has foundation cracks in it. The greatest mansion has has uh, cobwebs somewhere because the in life things deteriorate. So what God is saying is your focus should not be on the external. It's got to be on the internal. So what does it profit you to gain everything externally and lose the most valuable thing, which is the internal thing, which is your soul? And we took a little time to talk about how important the soul is. So the soul in Hebrew is the word nefesh, which we talked about last week. And we'll cover that again. In the Bible, nefesh is translated into English as living being. So let's read it the way Jesus said, what is worth gaining the whole world, but losing your living being, losing your life, losing you as the creature the creature, losing your mind, losing your desires. In other words, you're, you're going for temporary desires, not knowing that's not what you really desire. Your real desires are things that come from your soul. That's why rich people finally realize money can't buy them happiness. They thought it could until they got there. So your real desires are actually in the soul, your heart, your appetite, your person. What does that tell us? We get the sense that Nefesh is the inner living being of a man or a woman. So what is worth losing the living inner being of who you are? And it speaks to the very essence of a person. So let me ask you this like Jesus. What is worth losing the essence of who you are for? And the answer is nothing. Let's go even deeper. Let's look at it as it relates to in the Greek. The soul in Greek is the word suke where we get our English word psyche or psychology and psychiatry. And here it is explained out the vital breath, the breath of life, the mind, the seat of affections and will, the whole self as an individual, your persona, your personality, the core of who you are. So what is worth losing the vital breath, the breath of life, your mind, the seat of your affections and will, the whole self as an individual persona. So here's the, here's the truth of the matter. The reason why people are going crazy And mental health is such an important thing because people realize they've been trading in real peace for things that were temporal. And when those things begin to crumble and crush and the pandemic rushes in and people don't have things, I put all my hope in the man that ended up leaving me and divorcing me and walking out on me. I put all my hope on the job that ended up going overseas. I put all my hope in my figure. And then I had a baby and I couldn't get the figure back and I couldn't get. What I used to get, I put all my hope in a a surgery that was going to make my butt look better and my this look better. And then it got botched and it wasn't this and it wasn't that. And my mind is crazy. So here's the thing, saints. I don't care what we can achieve on the outside. It's not worth the investment we give to the inside. Your greatest investment is not in a stock. Your greatest investment is in you. When you invest in you and you invest in the real who you are, the soul, and the Bible says God breathed in man and man became a living soul. So it means that your soul, the core of who you are, the essence of who you are actually was breathed in by God. So there's only one person who knows how to get the best out of your soul, and it's God. So if anything pulls you away from God, it's actually pulling you away from your own soul. All right, that's deep, but it's the truth. All right, let's go further. Matthew sixteen twenty six. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So having said that, let's look at these these again. Dying on the point of death. Okay, we understand that that people have to die, so that's okay. Here's the reason why we said number two is not good. Gradually ceasing to exist or function in decline and about to disappear. Here's the truth. This is what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to trade things in for your soul. He wants you to run away from suffering, run away from self-sacrifice, and he wants you to try to fight for all these external things while internally he's gradually causing you to cease, exist, or function, causing you to decline and even disappear. Some people, they are the reason why they go crazy is because they are no longer seen. Nobody sees me. Nobody notices me. I do all this. I post all this stuff on social media and nobody knows me. I pour my heart out on social media. I only get four likes. I only get three likes because Satan has eroded you on the inside. And people know that all you do is phony and they check out. Because here's the thing. People only want what's really real. And it's the real people that people are gravitating to. And so while you're chasing all this other phony stuff, when it crumbles and fails you'll be left in a crowded room and still feel lonely. You'll be sleeping in a bed next to someone and still feel alone. So we are encouraging you to work on the inner man. And if it means suffering early so that you can grow later, it's worth it. And as a person who is starting to walk in a level of success in my life, I can tell you all the countless times I had to hear no, be told no, say no, stop doing this, not do this, not go with this crowd, not hang with these people, have friends walk away from me, have people say you too radical, you too deep, you think you too good, all the things I had to do, all the tears I had to cry. Now those people come back and they say they respect me. They appreciate me. Will you pray for me? But it didn't happen overnight. It was a long, tedious journey of a whole lot of upfront suffering, but it's starting to produce now in the end. So all I'm asking you is what do you want to do? Do you want to gradually cease to exist or do you want to Go ahead at the point of death and just go ahead and, and die. When God asked you to die, just go ahead and die. Mm-hmm. Suck it up, take it and die so that you can get to this. So let's read these so you can get to the going up, increasing, sloping upward, advancing to maturity or high standing stand, or high standing. We all want to advance, be mature, increase, abundance, high standing. But we miss the fact that sometimes we have to die first. All right, so let's put it all together to make it quite easy for us to take away. A, when the core of who you are is compromised, you die gradually without rising. Anything and anyone who makes you compromise your core beliefs, your core values, they are not your friend, they are not your, in your corner. If you have to compromise who you are to be with them, it's not worth it. If the job makes you do things that compromises who you are, it's not worth it. Go, go ahead and just, just just lie for me. It'll make your bonus bigger. Lie on them and say that they did something they didn't so we can fire them and the money they would have got, we'll put it in your account. Yeah, Yeah, you can buy a bigger car and bigger house and better dresses and go on more vacations. But at the core of who you are, you'll be stripped. You 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 won't feel right, and you. There are people you look at them in their eyes, and they have blank stares because on the inside they're lost. Somebody, this isn't scripture, but someone said, "Eyes are the windows to the soul," and that's. There are people who are just soulless, they're lost because they've compromised so much to get ahead, and now they got ahead, and they don't even like who they are. Here's the thing, even in a big uh, mansion, you got to look in the mirror. And you have to like the person you see in the mirror. And there are a lot of people, these are, this is this reason why th- s- some things are so high, such alcohol and suicide and drugs are so high, because at the end of the day, people don't like who they are. And they have to keep seeing themselves being reflected in the mirror of who they really are. And if you can't be happy with who you are at the end of the day, the things you did to appease other people, it's not worth it. People-pleasing is one of the quickest ways to get you to compromise who you really are. At the end of the day, you have to ask yourself this question. Whoever I'm trying to please, did they put breath in my body? Mm -hmm. Did, Did they wake me up this morning? Did they clothe me? Did they keep me in my right mind. they putting food on my table. Now, maybe when you were young, you can say it was your parents that did it, and so you're trying to please your parents. But even as adults, some people make mistakes always trying to please their parents, uh-huh. trying to do what their parents did. But listen, you're 45. Mm-hmm. You, you, you ain't got time to be pleasing a woman who's 75 just because she gave birth to you when you yeah. was young. Do what God wants you to do. And guess what? Either they're going to like it, they're going to lump it. They're going to get along with it or they're going to abandon you. It, look, you have to make up in your mind. I'm dying to self so that I can rise in the way I need to rise. All right. So that's point A. Point B, when the core of who you are is sacrificed for the purposes of God, you die momentarily, but only to rise up greater and more mature. Do you want maturity? If you do, it's worth doing it God's way. All right. Let's go to. See, when you live for God, you are both dying and rising simultaneously. It's not dying or rising. It's not like that man said, well, which, which is it in the cross? It's both. I'm dying and rising. So, yes, I'm taking up my cross, but I'm also elevating and going to another level. And one of the things that, that you're rising from, the d- demonic holds, they can't hold on to you if you're willing to to die for God. Cause basically when you are obeying God, the de- the demons are no longer dealing with you. Now they got to deal with God and they already know they lost to him. So guess what they had to do? They got to go back and get stronger demons because you keep rising. And sometimes when life gets harder, we think we failed, But many times the truth is we've succeeded and the devil had to get bigger and badder and better so that it could slow you down. So if you keep going higher and junk keeps happening to you, Actually, it means you are going in the right direction because the devil don't mess with nobody he already got. Now, that's that's not altogether true, because sometimes he messes with him to keep him there. But what what we're saying, he doesn't mess with you with new stuff if he's already got you. If he has to bring up new stuff, new people, new things and has to blindside you and sucker punch you, it's cause he. You're winning. Now, now Mike Tyson, even though he was great and awesome, when he fought against Evander Holyfield, and he got to a place where he was losing so bad, he bit his ear. He did something crazy. And they, and Evander was like, what is going on? They had to stop, stop the fight. And Mike said he just he lost his mind in the moment because he couldn't beat him regularly. So he had to try something different. And guess what? When the devil starts biting your ear, it starts. <laughs> Throwing stuff at you that seems unfair and unruly outside of the rules, it's not because you're losing, it's because you're winning. So it may feel bad, but actually you are winning. You're in the driver's seat. Point D. When you live only for your for self, you are gradually dying inside, and your ability to rise slips further away each day. All right. Let's close with these verses for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, this is what I have a problem with is that some people teach this kind of stuff about sacrificing and they don't talk about any reward, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus told Peter, I rebuke you. I got to go to the cross. But then he says, you got to follow me and you have to deny yourself too. But there's a reason behind it and he makes it very plain because what's going to happen i'm going to come into my father's glory mm-hmm. see right now i'm in a certain glory here on earth but that's not the, the major glory that you're going to need me to be in because remember they wanted him to set up a kingdom right then and there but he's like really what's going to benefit you is not me doing stuff that's going to make life better for you on earth it's doing stuff that's going to make life better for you in glory So he says, I'm going to come into my father's glory, I'm going to have angels, and then I'm going to reward each person according to what they have done. So if you deny yourself now, there is a reward coming with your name on it. And we're not just talking about natural, physical rewards, we're talking about heavenly rewards. So God is saying, or Jesus is saying, listen, I got to go to the cross and I got to die so I can shed this earth suit and cross over into heaven. But once I get up there, then I'm starting sending down rewards based on what you've you've done. So I'm not asking you to sacrifice for sacrifice sake. I'm asking you to sacrifice so that you will be qualified for the rewards. And the week before, we called them benefits. So you will qualify for the benefits. When I was working at General Motors, when I first. Uh, started First of all, they kept us, kept us temporary for 13 months. When, we fi- when they finally shifted us from temporary to permanent, I had 90 days before certain benefits kicked in. So I couldn't get fired in 90 days. I couldn't miss a day in 90 days, couldn't be late in 90 days. That was called the probation period. But after that, the benefits were kicking in. So after I had already been temporary for 13 months, it wasn't hard for me to just knock out another 90 days. So what I'm saying to you is, it's not gonna hurt you. If you already love the Lord and you are already saved and you already are going the extra mile anyway, it's not gonna hurt you to keep on dying, keep on sacrificing because it's gonna put you in line for the benefits and the benefits are out of this world. Like literally out of this world. They're literally out of this world. We we get heaven and we don't just get heaven, but we get rewards in heaven. Sometimes we preach heaven and it's like, oh, all, we all made it. Yeah, we all made it, but not everybody's gonna be on the same level in heaven. There are different rewards in heaven. So just remember, this is not for any for nothing. You're not sacrificing for nothing. You are sacrificing so God can. Bring you rewards. And this is not me talking. This is what Jesus said himself. Now, this is what I'm reading in Matthew. If you look at in the King James version or any red letter edition version, you will see these verses are in red. So this is Jesus's words. All right. According to what they have done, verse 28. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. This has a lot of implications, but let me talk about it uh, in a, uh, what I would call allegorical metaphorical way and not so much literal, but it's so interesting that it's talking about dying. And then he says, you won't taste death. Wait a second, you've been telling me all this time I need to die, but it's not the type of death that it will gradually strip you away. It's the type of death that actually produces and pushes you into life to to be honest when when the baby is in the womb and they breach from the womb to coming out they've actually died from the womb and came alive in life but the whole purpose for the baby even living on the inside is to break free is to break loose and so you're not going to taste death not the death that's taking from you. You're actually tasting the death that's actually producing life. So that's why Jesus said, it's really not death at all. It's really life. It's really life hidden in the form of suffering. So here we go. As we are closing, point E, the glimpses of our rewards benefits is what helps us find beauty in our crosses, knowing we die only to rise. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me say this as we close. Now, the cross was very hard for Jesus, but it's become a symbol of beauty for us. I seen one of the most beautiful tattoos that I had seen in a long time, and it was of a cross and uh, a nail. And even though it was horrible for Jesus, we find beauty in it. There's there's necklaces of diamond and gold with crosses there, beautiful churches with crosses. Even the the story we told, it was a beautiful cross and sculpture. So here's the thing. We actually see beauty in the cross. So yes, we have to pick up our cross, deny ourselves. but you get to the place where you say, okay, this is actually beautiful. And when you get to the end of your life, it becomes more and more beautiful. That's why you'll see in the mall, you'll see, Couples in their 80s still holding hands. You see that same couple in their 20s. They may have been at each other's throat, but they suffered through what they went to suffer through. And now they're to the place where it's so beautiful. And people look at the couples and say, oh, man, I want love like that. But you don't know that there were sacrifices along the way to get to that. But the cross ends up becoming a symbol of beauty. So this death is not any kind of death. It's a death that causes us to be beautiful. So what, it, what is it? And here we are as we close. It's dying and rising simultaneously. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Grac- Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to a close, uh, as we're in our closing prayer, God, I pray that you would just bless us immeasurably. God, there's so many things we've had to suffer, but if we're honest, many of the things we've gone through have made us who we are. There's some things that we look back and say, well, wouldn't trade them and change them because it made us who we are. So God, reward us, benefit us. God, let us know that we are on your side and you are fighting for us and give us the wisdom to always fill up the soul first and not the flesh so that our spirits will grow to the place that they need to be. And heaven will be our goal and we will be, as the scripture says, we will have our names written in the book of life, never to be erased. And we thank you for it. in Jesus name. Amen. And Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. I'm signing off. Love you dearly. Dying and right.